Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The wait is finally over and sport is back on Now TV. It's lights out and away we go! Where you can watch Sky Sports, Premier Sports and BT Sport together and all without a contract. What a fantastic part. So whether there's a day, week or whole month of action you just can't miss, you can now stream the lot. Oh, it's a fabulous goal! This is your sport on your terms. Search Now TV Sports to find out more. 18 plus content streamed via internet. Full terms apply. We've got a lot of catching up to do. Hi there, everybody. It's lovely to be with you again. Over 100 live games in just six weeks on Sky Sports. Everything still to play for. Scores to sell. Relegation to avoid. Europe up for grabs. And the titles to win. Upgrade to Sky Sports today. 64 Premier League and 37 EFL games on Sky Sports, 17th of June till 26th of July. See sky.ie for details. Phil Tiger. Slacker Podcast. Here we are, season three of the Slacker Podcast. Hello, everybody. I hope you're all good. It is Phil Taggart here. I am uh, slightly fatter, slightly more tanned probably since the last time as well as on holidays. Definitely, definitely a little bit chubbier. And it's really good. I'm really, really happy um, to be back bringing you some brand new fresh podcasts uh, for 2020. Uh, last year we had season two, uh, which I think was about 12 episodes um, spun out over the course of 2019. And it was very bitty. There was like a couple of episodes here, a couple of episodes there. Um, there was a couple of live episodes that were done as well. Well, I thought, I'm not going to put you through this again. I am going to make something that is much more easy, weekly, a little bit more episodic. That's what season three is all about. You will have 16 episodes each week from now until June. And I might even keep adding to them if, if um, good interviews um, pop up between now and then. It might go up to 20, it might go up to 30, it might go up to 40, I don't know, I don't know. Um, but the podcast has slightly changed um, since season two. Um, we had a, an incredible producer called Jenny, who's no, no longer producing it. Um, and uh, we say goodbye to Barney, who made all the social media stuff, and my friend Adam who helped put me out. I've decided that I'm going to go it completely 
um, solo on this, so I'm producing it. I am. Uh, I say I'm making the graphics for it. I'm not. My I'm super super bad at Photoshop, but my wife's pretty good at it. Um, so it's definitely a bit of a mom and pop uh production now. So if you if you hear any like clips in the editing, I'm still getting used to it. Okay, I used to be a an assistant uh producer uh, at Radio Ulster before I got into the whole presenting malarkey. So I kind of half know what I'm doing. Um, before I sort of get into deeper into who our first guest is in season three, um, I just want to tell you that we have a Patreon that we're setting up for season three. And it is patreon.com forward slash slacker podcast. And I've I've spent a lot of money on this season. I've, I've bought a lot of new equipment. Um, I've kind of taken a lot of it out of the studio and I've kind of followed the artists wherever they want to record them. So this first one with Biffy Clyro that you heard was recorded actually in Warner. Um, but a lot of the rest of them are me out and about on a train in a car um, with all of the equipment that I've bought. Thank you very much to Road um, for uh, sorting me out with some some equipment as well. But um, yeah, I'm sort of testing out filming the podcasts. Now, not all of them. I'm sort of dipping my toe to see whether it really works. So you can let me know. Um, and yeah, I just want, really want to make the best of, of the podcast and the best way for me to do that is to not lose money, essentially. Like, I love making these, but I mean, if I get to the end of season three and, and I'm just like out of pocket and making, uh, content for people, it's, it, it just feels a bit, little bit much, you know? Um, so if, if you enjoy the podcast and you want to give me the price of a, a cup of tea, um, then you can go to patreon.com forward slash slacker podcast and there's all sorts of different things you can get there if you're a Patreon as well. I'm making um, private mixes for the patrons. Um, there's some live podcasts that have, have never come out um, properly uh, that I'm going to send to some people as well. And there's all sorts of other little goodies tiered up um, over at patreon.com forward slash slacker podcast. So if you want to sort of support the podcast, that would be absolutely amazing. Um, so, yes, season three, episode one is with... Biffy Clyro. Mon the Biff. We couldn't start with a better one, to be honest. I've interviewed um, the lads several times over the years and always found them to be some of the sweetest and nicest and, and just a band that are a true band in the sense of being brothers and just living for everything that is rock music. And they're constantly changing their sound. They can do the ballads. They can do the weird time signatures. They can do the flat out riffs i mean biffy have got a little bit of everything that's why they've kind of graduated from playing tiny little school halls in kilmarnock all the way up to headline in places like reading and leeds and supporting the who and playing big stadiums and all the rest of it but as big a rock stars as they are they could uh have kind of got away with fame they, they might have been turning up with their shades on um inside demanding uh, brown M&Ms in a bowl and and doing all sorts of stuff that rock and roll uh, stars do, but they're not. Biffy, Claro are just like me and you. They're just ordinary blokes, but they're funny as shit. <laughs> they genuinely are. Um, we've got 16 episodes. I'm not going to tell you who is on it. I want to keep a little bit of a surprise, but I'm very proud of the roster that we have um, for, for Series 3. Uh, at the end of the podcast, I will tell you who's going to be on episode two. 
Right, that's enough wittering on for me. I'm not going to plug my book, The Slacker's Guide to the Music Industry, which you can get now from philtigerslacker.com. Um, I just did, didn't I? Um, but all I'm going to say is, it's good to be back, and I hope you enjoy these podcasts. Episode 1 of The Slacker Podcast with Biffy Claro in 3, 2, 1... Welcome to the Joe Rogan podcast. Uh, sorry, sorry, I forgot who I was. Um, welcome to the Slacker podcast. And uh, today we have got two thirds of Biffy Claro. Who have we got? Hey, hey, we've got Simon A. Neil. <laughs> we've got James R. Johnston. Yeah. Nice. What's your middle name? Bill? I don't have one. Oh, I actually man. had to fill out some forms yesterday and they, the, the woman was like, oh, what's your middle name? I was like, my, my mom didn't believe in middle names. She said it was... Oh. What did she say to me? I asked her why I didn't have one. Because I got a confirmation name, but it doesn't count. Okay, okay. Right, so like, you know, super, super Catholic name, but you don't like... Yeah, that's not on you your official you don't, you, don't get a middle, you don't get a middle one. So oh. I was like, why did you never give me or my sister one? She was like, waste of time, isn't it? Well... <laughs> <laughs> like, there's like, obviously nobody in the family that she's emotionally attached to enough to give me, you like, give their a middle name. name. That's just a waste of time. Uh, forget the family. I'm thinking about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's yours? Alexander. Alexander? It's after my mum's maiden name. Ah, okay. That's pretty good. That's nice. Thanks. Is Alexander a Scottish name? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Shortened to Sandy, which Sa- is weird. It doesn't. It's never made sense to me. Sense no. to me that, but is it like Alexander, Xander. Xander, Sandy? I'm like gonna, that's going to call you Xander. For yeah, the, uh, yeah. We're in. We're in London. We're recording this in, in Warner HQ, and and I, f- I feel like there's probably a couple of Xanders that work here. <laughs> they're they're Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> they're Barbie. That's right. Xander. Xander. Could you get the, Could you get the marketing report on my desk? <laughs> the last time I'll be invited in. Hey, listen, yeah. No. Watch. I know, we, we've got to come back here tomorrow. So. <laughs> Fair enough. We love. <laughs> James, which, which, is, which is yours? Robert. Robbie. Both, Bobby. Both, both very Bobby. Scottish uh, middle names. Well, no. we are Scottish. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> I get that. I mean, you know, I was good. That was my, that's my whole interview done. done. Yeah, oh, yeah, no. Where Turns are you from? They are Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, right, we'll, 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 we'll start with this demo then, shall we? Um, okay. It's a, d- a demo of Biblical, mm-hmm. and it's saved on my computer as Rod Singh. Yes. Can you tell me why before we play it? Yeah, so so I recorded this song in Vancouver and we were just working on mixing some tunes in the studio and at night I would just come back into the flat we were mm-hmm. sharing and just working these songs. So it was going to be a Faces EP. So this song is called Rod Sing and there was one called Ronnie Sing. <laughs> and it was basically about Rod Stewart and Ronnie Wood's love affair, which you'll hear from some of the lyrics. So what? it, it kind of kills the biblical vibe, but the biblical originally was a conversation between Ronnie Wood and Rod Stewart going, you gave me wonderful, I gave you, you know, you know how this song goes. I, I, hope. Didn't, know, I didn't know that they had a love affair, did they? Well, well come on. Wait, you hear the song? Come on. Oh, wow, it's, right. It okay. can be platonic. God, be wow. Here we go. This is it. Gossip as well. Misunderstood, you seem to be unnatural. Share your collection of time 
So, like, out of all of the demos that we've had on the Slacker podcast in the 30-odd uh, episodes that we've done, that is definitely one of the ones that is so far away from the original. Yeah. Isn't it? It is. I, I, see, to be honest, I think um, after, like, the first few records, you know, we kind of write or kind of wrote for rock band, you know, a rock mm-hmm. band format mm-hmm. for the first few records. And after writing on the guitar so much, I just I just felt like I got to know the guitar a little bit too well yeah so which is why like that's the kind of biblical demo because sometimes you just if you just don't think and let things happen something beautiful can can occur and you know out that six minutes there's maybe like 40 seconds of it that i thought that's really worth keeping Mm -hmm. but i probably would never have written like a melodic change like that Mm. if i hadn't done it in this weird manner kind of stoned out your box in vancouver (laughs) where it's legal (laughs) it's legal to be stoned out your box so um and it definitely helped my box <laughs> well yeah i, I kind of feel from the opening glockenspiel like that that something was adult like you're just like oh, i gotta get some cheetos oh, glockenspiel <laughs> glockenspiel all, all we did that week was eat huge steaks which were the cheapest steaks oh ever God. basically you needed like a like a crocodile to try and get it, get the meat apart but it was a, <laughs> it was just meat mixing and making music all the m's the three m's going back to uh rod stewart and and ronnie wood what was like? Explain this like alleged affair. I'm putting the word alleged so none of us get sued, so we're all right. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I cannot confirm or deny whether Rod and Ronnie were actually in love, but I see love between them. I feel the electricity. There's a free song, and uh, they almost seem like the same kind of person. Absolutely. You know, like I think of them as a different version of the same person, but. If, you know, you're never kind of sure what inspires you to start making writing a song, and, and we, <laughs> I, I take our music very seriously. But see, when you're just coming up with ideas, you know, you can't sit down and go, right, I want to write something about this. I want to write something so like important. deep and dark. Like, yeah. you know, like sometimes you just have to fun with it. You have, which to. you definitely have in some songs that, like, I've heard over the years. Like, like there's some ridiculous yeah, ones. That absolutely. You've I think some people, because I guess our singles and things are quite sincere and, and kind of emotive. Sometimes the kind of sense of humour we have gets a little bit lost, perhaps, to the, the GP, the general public. So. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, it's a real big integral part of what we do. And, and part of the thing for me when I'm writing songs and if the boys are going to hear it, I want to make the boys kind of laugh a little. Yeah, and kind yeah. of, you know, like think, is this maybe the worst thing ever? Or uh-huh. is it the greatest thing ever? And <laughs> if things don't make you uncomfortable, then kind of what's the point? As you were saying, yeah. you know, you've got a project you're completing this week or working uh-huh. on this week. and. Uh, and the, unco- the discomfort with it is almost what makes it exciting. Yeah, exactly. I want like I, I like when when you write something strange like that, you're almost like going, I don't know where this is going. Uh-huh. Yeah. I want to I want to follow this to see what it, what happens. Well, sometimes you don't know why you're following it. You know, you're just kind of head head over heels. You're getting into it. You kind of if you're trying to think too much about the destination you're not really kind of living the journey i suppose that's a mm. terrible thing to it's say. true yeah. though it is, it is. <laughs> it's not about learning to sh- shield yourself from the rain it's about learning to dance in the rain <laughs> don't wait for the storm to pass sorry <laughs> this is great these are like i'm gonna get all these printed out and give them to my aunties for christmas yeah mindfulness <laughs> stuff yeah exactly a silhouette of phil you know with the sun behind him just saying you know yeah. <laughs> that's our next merch line phil what, what era was that like what what um like sort of like timestamp, like what record was that before? That was it was just as I guess only Revolutions was about to be released, kind mm-hmm. of thing, you know. So whenever we finish recording a record, generally I have a kind of outburst of new music just because the kind of pressure's off. You finish a project and 
and stuff just kind of falls out. And that was kind of in the first round of songs for Opposite, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, we were talking about it earlier, actually, you know, because we were looking for demos mm-hmm. that we'd had throughout the years. And the weird thing is for our first four records, we didn't actually demo any songs. Like, you know, we kind of laugh about it a mm-hmm. lot, but I, w- I was a nightmare for years because I just had to retain all the music in my head. And which sounds so bizarre, but this is before you know you could record quickly in your mobile. Yeah, yeah. We maybe did a mini disc when we started right. back in nineteen canteen, <laughs> and uh, but but it's it was really weird because the demos only started. You found one for, I found one for the captain. The captain, yeah, which was basically just an exact version of the song uh-huh. with with a fake drum. Yeah, you know it was just Pretty something much. I'd done at home <laughs> in, a, in a keyboard or something. So this was the one that kind of gave the best impression of how like an idea can come from like the smallest spark and mm-hmm. and it, it seems almost unrelated this song but it's about just recognizing that little moment of glory that you've made and that you're like oh that keeps sticking with me I'm going to come back to Did that. you recognize it or like did you like did you hear that bit and you're like oh you, you got to keep that I, I definitely felt that. I think anybody listening to this demo would feel that as well. Yeah. I think when it gets to that moment, you're like, "Oh my goodness, we just turned a corner here. This is a this is a moment of magic." And we yeah, have, we have to go back to. That. It doesn't like really take to be like you know to be like some sort of pop mogul like Simon Kyle to like listen to that song and pick that bit out. Really, is I, it? I don't think so. I don't the, think so. The, yeah, the tough part comes that you're willing to stick around for two and a half minutes of nonsense <laughs> before you get to that bit. That was that was uh, that was our like modus operandi. Modus operandi. We, start, <laughs> we started out. We, we wanted to really test people to see if that they were worthy of getting. You know, it's just it's, it's such it's so an arrogant. It's so arrogant. It's such a a cheeky place to be. It's, but it's great when when you you know I I love that and I love it seeing it. Bands and acts or whatever, whoever singers, rappers, whatever, starting when they they have that real obstinance in them about, I'm, we're not going to change for you guys, you know. I mean, yeah. There, there's things where I look back, like things like her band name. You know, at mm-hmm. a point as I've grown up, I'm like, we probably could have had a better band name, mm-hmm. you know. But you but probably could have changed when you went on to like a major label. If there was ever going to be a change, it probably would have been about then. Like, possibly. yeah, I think. But then, what's the point? But. but Excuse me, we we had an identity by that point. Even if it was a small identity with a small number of people and amongst ourselves. So, yeah, I mean, we genuinely have a regret towards the band name, but obviously a big part of us is so fond of it that it's one of those ones that if you gave us the option now to change it, we, we, we wouldn't actually change it. You know, No, I, also it's, it's great to Google. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, I, well, I, we predated the... Google, man. That's good. <laughs> the Google Sump or whatever it is. Genius. Google Whack. It's like a Google Whack, yeah. What, what, were the, what were the names that you guys had before that? Oh, they were, they were all terrible. See, when I think back, we'd Screwfish, which almost makes us sound like a neo-Nazi punk band, <laughs> which we were not, quite obviously. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, we with some really bad... The very first band, <laughs> me and my two friends at school, we were called Pump and Chub. <laughs> which, is, which is not PC at all, but it was a variation. Pumping, pumping or pumping? Pump and chub, like Pump. guns and roses. Pumping, Except Pump. it was because cause of a pair of Reebok pumps, and one of the guys was chubby. <laughs> <laughs> and he was up for it. And it's just such a 90s thing to do. You know that way when you're 12 years yeah. old, we're like, you have the name of your band, you have everything apart from any music. What happened, Chub? Did he go solo? Uh, I haven't heard from Chubb in a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking of you, Chubb. Yeah. He might be big in, like, you know. Like South America, uh, or he's probably like a hip hop mogul. You yeah. know that way, he like runs beats, <laughs> runs beats or something like that. Um, but like, yeah, I'm always interested in. Like, I always like. I would never ask you the, the, about the the Biffy Clyro name because I'm way too much of a classy broadcaster for for, <laughs> for shit like that. I'm not like one of those like, 
you know when you go to like the European festivals and you like step off the stage and there's somebody from a radio station that has no interest in your music and probably isn't playing it. That's never happened. So what is it uh, about Biffy Claro? What does the name yeah, why, mean? Yeah, why should we listen to you? You look so bad, but your music is so beautiful. <laughs> oh, thanks, thanks, man. Your last album was superb. This one, not so much. <laughs> there is a disarming honesty with like uh, I, I definitely like I love Scandinavia. I go there quite a lot. Like like um, sweet. In Norway specifically, oh, they're beautiful. and they're great people, but they're so like. If you've put on weight since the last time, well, yeah. you're looking That's so fat. I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, fuck off. But you got to admire it. You got to admire it. It's yeah. so, it's so kind of it's 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 novel actually. Yeah, it's, you know, to to us because people over here are just so polite and kind. Oh, everything's mm, great. Oh, you're looking yeah. fantastic. You seem to look better. You know, like, <laughs> oh, you, you haven't noticed the burn I have in I, my ear. I know. My ear got caught oh, in a car like, door. You know, I lost a leg. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Your balance is amazing. You have lost weight, technically. (laughs) (laughs) So it's it's all okay. It's all fine. Um, So coming back to the sort of very beginning of Biffy Clyro, like I I feel like there's there's not much, there's not much before you sort of like you guys hanging out. What time do you like? I was gonna say what time did you start hanging out? But like what like it was three. It was about seven. (laughs) Were you seven or eight or something when you like started hanging out? We went to same school at seven or eight. Um, I think we were in different classes at school mm-hmm. at that point, so we never really became pals till sort of 13, 14, I guess, around about that time, probably. Lunch were you time. aware of each other beforehand? Like, was one of you scared of the other one? Was, like, did, did you, <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think at that age, I mean, I was big into my football at that point. Uh-huh. Um, ben was into his techno, uh-huh. too unlimited. I was into mountain biking. Mountain biking. So <laughs> we, we kind of, like, Rad. me and Ben ended up kind of, jamming together we both he banged got some drums same christmas i got guitar and basically we we're like do you want to we should just play together so you know mm. that way in your school you like so you hear someone else is into the music so you like, yeah you're like okay, you're into music uh, yeah it's uh, like under hush tone are you the yeah. guy are you the guy, you the guy? Which, no i'm not the guy it's so weird in this day and age i know are you the guy <laughs> <laughs> no, the guy. no, no, no absolutely <laughs> not. i think i know the guy please, please move on but, but it did used to be like even being a music fan was such an identity back then. You know, mm. it was literally wasn't expected that you were into music. You mm. know, so it was like a kind of secret society. And me and Ben would play, and we had a, a fellow we knew called Barry who played bass with us for like six months when we were Screwfish. Mm-hmm. And then, oh no, we weren't even Screwfish. Don't then, think so, no. Nameless. Nameless. Anyway, Barry kind of stuck around for a wee bit, but he wasn't really our type of guy. It wasn't really a friend. He was just someone that was there. And then James was always hanging around, and obviously we had such a good vibe with James. And it was just, I think I gave James my bass, bass, yeah, my bass for Christmas, and I was like, "Do you want to learn this?" James was like, "Aye." And it, it was this, it was that classic teenage thing where none of us could really knew what the hell we were doing. Yeah. And and kind of that ignorance is so blessed when you start because every every time you do something that you think's amazing, you think you're the first person in the entire world to do it. You, you know. And it was a it's a really exciting time. It was fantastic. It was it was more about the camaraderie and something to do on a Saturday afternoon, really. Than and obviously we're writing on our jotters about imaginary reading headlines, yeah, you know, posters. I've, I've we're, done that. We're doing all that, but when I making think making your own logos and stuff, all, all yeah. of that stuff. But when I think back, that is very much even then like a pipe dream. You know, in some ways, it felt like, and it was more about. Hanging out, more about hanging out, pissing off for parents. Yeah, but that, I think smoke. that's it. Like you, when you when you start skating when you're a kid, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it gives you a little identity. You know, every, everybody goes skating together. When you start playing football on a football team, you know you've got your own little little hub of people, little clique. Yeah, you do you know do. what I mean? It's it's but mm-hmm. you kind of need that. 
and and you almost like crave you crave that as a teenager like you all you want to do is be independent because you're the only person in the world that feels like you but you want to be in a group of like-minded yeah, people yeah i know yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> so they're into exactly the same things mm-hmm. it's so true isn't it i think it's the small town you know we're from small towns as well and, and it is just that somewhere to go something to do and as you say finding like-minded people it's such a big deal because you do everyone's so dramatic at that age and Mm. to share that kind of drama and anger about stuff and um you know and we were you know west coast of scotland is actually a fairly calm place you know just the usual ned attack kind of thing that's what i was gonna say like it's also useful when you're about 12 or 13 to be in a group like that in case a load of boys come after you (laughs) absolutely as i have to say with a few nights out in kelly we would definitely go out as as a gang of people because yeah we'd some bad experiences we've we, definitely been chased home a few times I mean, yeah <laughs> I, I don't think that, like i don't think that i think that's everywhere i think so, like, okay. like yeah, small small I, small towns villages like big cities like it's part of the coming of age when you're it? A, when you're a teenager you better be able to run <laughs> yeah. or you better be able to fight fight yeah one of the two and if you're fighting <laughs> make sure you know who you're fighting exactly uh, the, the first sort of covers that you played uh, as a band I, I, most bands don't sort of jump into just doing originals right you mm-hmm. kind of gotta learn your trade mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, but our, our first show in like 1995 or six, when mm-hmm. we we skipped school to go and play our very first show, I think half the songs were our own songs. Yep. Yeah, definitely. That's like pretty I, confident. That's confident start. Like, yeah, I think, I think so. Probably m- more naivety. I, th- I think again, we didn't really know anyone that played music or was in bands, and there was like the unknown of it all was what kind of gave us the bravery to be honest you know i didn't think it was weird i presumed if we were playing our our show that we should have our own songs so to me it was Mm -hmm. like it would be weird to not play our own songs Mm -hmm. so i think we played five of our own and then and even the cover songs we would do at that point were like the most obscure ones we could find that we did we covered nirvana covering the wipers a a song called d7 and then we we, we covered aneurysm from incesticide Mm -hmm. The good yeah. thing about doing like the rare, the rare covers, like not the sort of you know the the set and stone ones that everybody does, like Motorhead, Ace of Spades, and, and and things like that, is that people who are watching you've never heard them before probably think you've written them. Well, that probably and, and that gig, I'm sure most of them probably yeah, did. People yeah. say, "Wow, these guys are really accomplished <laughs> for 14." Had, but if you're playing a show at 14, you'd skip school for it. Had you actually been to shows like other than your own at that point? No, I'd been to see Status Quo with my parents for uh, which was. Double denim tastic. <laughs> I mean, I loved it actually. To, to be fair, at that time, I, I couldn't believe that this rock and roll world existed. Yeah, you know. And then I'd, I'd I'd maybe see Metallica with my friend Martin. So that was like the first show that I went without parents, and and that was like, there's a world here that I don't know. I'm from a small town, and, and it just as after that show, I started buying as many magazines, listening to as much radio and things as possible. You boys went to a couple we, of few shows. We've been to like Ry Cooder, yeah. <laughs> which was the who Ry Cooder. That is. Oh, one of the most famous guitarists in the world, I suppose. But really grown up adult music that I think once my dad had checked out. Is that like, like going to see like Tommy Emmanuel or it's some, not far some, away. Something like it's that. not far away. It's <laughs> not very cool for a teenager. It's to, not. It? No, we were falling asleep. We were the most bored people in the Actually, world. Actually, the first concert I went to was Alison Moye. Oh, really? No, it was. Fuck. Holy. What the Foo Fighters? Oh, hey. All right. Yeah. Actually, Foo Fighters. I told, I told my mom I was. Uh, 
down at my friend's house and got on a bus with a boy who's a couple of years older than me and went down to Foo Fighters. Good, and good for you. And drank booze for the first time. What an it. incredible first show. So you knew what, what way your life was going after uh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was amazing. I remember like looking at the support band. They were covering Days to Confuse. And I was like, I know that on the bass. Oh. I, can, I can do that. Did you play yeah. at that point? Yeah, you, were yeah. You, yeah like, I was, play? I was playing bass, but like I hadn't got good yet because my both my feet were working. <laughs> like that, what was, I was skating too much <laughs> oh, right. once, oh, right. I, once I broke once I broke the foot that was were you pretty good at skating then no shite me too mm. I loved it so much I still yeah. love it I love mm. the culture of it I love mm-hmm. everything that goes with it I love mm-hmm. going hanging out I bought a board there like as part of a midlife crisis a couple of years ago brilliant You're talking uh, to uh, two uh, of the right and, guys <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh, I was skating around Dalston in, in London and I just sat there on, t- on the board watching everybody else skate drinking cans of red stripe in Dalston Square yeah, <laughs> really? that's, that's something cool. to sit on yeah uh-huh. oh I know I, I, I never had the fearlessness for it you know that we like I would try stuff try a little yeah, bit you'll leap off like monitors and amps and exactly. all, all the rest it's of it so like, I don't, wheels under, I don't <laughs> have wheels under my feet though <laughs> I love it that's one of my big regrets is that I didn't really commit to skateboarding when I was younger because I love it I love it so much yeah and, I, and I, now when I try and get on it and I try and do no. I would say uh-huh. that you're probably like you're not allowed to get on a board anymore if you break your leg. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. No tour. No, no tour. Are you no. going to it like the, the Dave Grohl does and like wheel yourself out in a wheelchair? Oh, that look. Just borrow. That looks... Oh, just borrow Dave's leg. I'm sure you'd be all right with that. <laughs> if, I think he's franchising his limbs this year. <laughs> he did really well. He did really well with that. To be oh, fair, I that looked like an absolute nightmare for Dave Grohl. What's the what? Like, I mean, like, we'll sort of come back to where we were. But like, what's the worst injury that you've had on? On stage, over, over to Simon, I think. I was, yeah, I'm, uh, I've broken my foot, which was we played this tour where we played like twenty nine shows in thirty days, and uh, it was a really intensive tour. Actually, not to go too into it, but the, the boys had to go home for one of their friends' funerals and things, and we were we were just it was just one of the worst and most intense periods of our lives. Mm-hmm. And at the last show in Glasgow, I just. I just had to do some sort of, I jumped from the top of the PA onto the stage and I just, there's a footage of it. Actually, I've got a video of it and you can hear my foot break. It's just like, oh my God. crack. You should sample it as like on, on like a drum part of <laughs> the album. That's not a bad idea. Even, see, yeah. I need to start thinking like the moderns, the modern people. <laughs> um, and, uh, and it was just the sorest thing ever. And then we had to film the questions and answers video two mm. days later. So literally... I was straight down the road doing the video, and, I, and looking back, I think that was probably a good thing because I think I would have got a little bit depressed. Yeah, just because it was an intense month for us all, and, and then you break your foot on top yeah. of it. Yeah, and then I broke my ribs and teeth and things. Teeth a couple of I'm, times. I'm just an idiot, clumsy oh. idiot. Let me see your teeth. They look all right. Bad. Oh, I mean, I've had a little bit of work to be quite honest. Really? Like, yeah. I mean, I've had work, but you can you can tell mine. Look at one. All right. Okay. Well, uh, now that you're is that, skate- is that skateboard? That no. was getting headbutted when I was about seventeen. Oh really? Oh, you're yeah. joking. I hope yeah. I hope you left a mark. Oh yeah. On the field. He's, he's way worse. <laughs> <laughs> that actually happened to my, happened to my brother. My brother lost his front tooth because someone headbutted him as well. Yeah. And, and it, it, my mum was raging. <clears throat> was your mum raging? Oh, oh, Jesus Christ! Like <gasps> my boy's teeth. <laughs> my boy's teeth. He was gonna be a model. <laughs> he was going to eat so much. <laughs> she had to chew my food for me for for a couple, couple of weeks to, oh, to, to get it to you like that a point baby really. bird. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, that's really inappropriate. So, like, have you, have you not injured yourself? Like, um, you're much more sensible. Just, no, just much more boring. 
just much more bo- like I'll hurt my <laughs> back balance. I'll, I'll hurt my back and it'll be like uh, I'm hobbling about like an old man but it's mm. not it's much less traumatic and much less sexy James is a risk you know like James is aware like maybe that risk isn't worth it you know like, I think James is just smarter than the rest of us <laughs> you'll do the assessment you, I'll do the you've risk James yeah, yeah. will do the insurance <laughs> <laughs> from those early shows right to recording like what was the first recording that you did like did you release an ep did you release an album did you like what what came first we did a yeah i mean we did a demo when we were like 14 for Screwfish, which was just at a local studio but that doesn't i don't really count that no. that was just going to a room and just place play and record so our first thing proper was the kids who pop today will rock tomorrow which was our first ep oh I no no i'm a liar e-name. i'm a liar it's e-name <laughs> yeah don't ask me, man. Why would I, how would I know? Um, e name was our very first single, and it was um, we met a couple of fellas, Deepak and Campbell, and they were starting a wee management, we labeling things, and they wanted to release our record, and uh, and it was fab, just yeah. a very local thing. But I do remember walking all round air, going, "I'm signed, <laughs> signed, could be a superstar." Yeah, you won't believe what we're gonna be. And uh, and actually, it was just like we were printing up like a hundred copies of a uh, CD, you know, and, and that all, was it. And yeah. only distributing them in, in Glasgow. I know, you know we'd leave like five of them in a record store sale of return. We'd walk out going, "Yeah, so three, so three, you know." But, but I mean, great, the, great times. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago... If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash post. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Just the, just the excitement and the joy. And, and you've got to remember, this isn't a period where like the internet is not a massive thing at this point you know it exists but it's certainly in a way of contact and folk are kind of are communicating your music so little victories like that like seeing your record in a shop that you visited like that is that was massive you know really a massive deal mm-hmm. you know just seeing it sharing shelves with with bands that you respected and loved and um i mean we weren't we didn't play a lot of shows really at that time did we we didn't we we'd maybe done like one trip to London by that point and we would try and go to like Dundee and Perth and just get out of Glasgow a little bit but <coughs> not not loads man not no again ignorance is bliss we, we uh, didn't really know what we should you probably be doing. like you, like I mean booking those shows yourself at the at the start is very difficult 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, it's, it's we were talking about it the other day. The whole kind of pay-to-play system that they have in a lot of these venues. You that. have to buy a box of a box of tickets and sell them to your mates. Yeah. I think it, that's kind of been done away with now. Like, oh, has yeah, it? Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I I got done with it. Right, a couple of times, like, but we we get done with it, like having to buy the headline bands <coughs> dinner and make sure they had a pint of milk and just sl- sort of little different things. And looking back at pint some of the milk, okay, just these unscrupulous oh, promoters, yeah, promoters that, that, that just would take the piss. They, they could see a young band that really wanted to be on the show, really wanted to make things happen. They're like basically treating you like slaves, really. Yeah, a little they? bit. A There's little an bit. element of that, an element of that. But uh, even for anyone that doesn't know, pay to play would be something where you'd get given a bunch of tickets, and yet if you didn't sell them all, you would have to. Pay the difference. Make up the yeah. difference. So, like, you know, for a young band, like 100 or 150 quid is Something an extortionate amount of money. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, we kind of learned the hard way. But, but again, in a, in a way, though, it, it really kind of solidified our, our kind of drive. I don't know if drive's the right word because that makes it sound like we kind of had some form of plan. Mm-hmm. But we knew every time we would play, we'd be like, "These other bands are, you know, in, the, in a naive way." But these other bands are shit. Mm-hmm. We, we're great, you know, and like it, it kind of made us think, we're, "I can't wait to turn around to these promoters who, who don't actually realise that we're the only serious ones. We're the only real talent here." <laughs> and uh, you know, and uh, part of me was like, "You know, I can't wait for a few years when we're the only ones still doing this." You know, because because it, it just we just didn't have that. I don't know what the word is because it, it's kind of ambition without actually having any ambition. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's a like sort of desire. Joy, blue sky you know? thinking. Blue sky thinking. Uh-huh. There you yeah. go. Um, although actually, I'm I'm not even glass half empty. I'm glass half fucked. <laughs> kind of guy. I, I, so I, I don't have blue sky. You don't I've even got black hole thinking. Man. You don't even have a glass. It's been poured into your hand. Just my hands bleeding and it's slightly wet. You know. <laughs> What my missus always says sorry. I just <laughs> <laughs> that's that. It's the end of that. Yeah. So like the the the, <laughs> the, the two thousand and was it two thousand the tea in the park that you got spotted at Beggars Bank by Banquet? I think that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Play, yeah. Playing tea in the park was that your first time playing it? I think we we did a. I think we played ninety nine and two thousand or two thousand two thousand and one. I right, can't okay. quite remember. That's a big deal though, and it's oh, oh huge. It's, it was the biggest for you know the biggest festival in Scotland, and it only really been like four or five years old at that mm-hmm. point perhaps mm-hmm. and uh yeah it just felt like the biggest it felt like we'd stepped onto the world stage to mm-hmm. play and and uh and even just to be at a festival i remember we we somehow when we arrived we managed to find our way in through the back of the main stage you know we were meant to, we were meant to be in the unsigned tent or whatever and we we're we we're driving in the back and this we was it a Volkswagen at that uh, point? Yeah. Something like that. Aye, Volkswagen aye, aye. camper, you know, and all these <laughs> tour buses and we're like, hello, hey, we're Biffy Clyro and they're like who? Faithless is in the main stage. Oh. Mm, mm, you know, it was so. We've t- only got one song, didn't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was actually that song we were doing. It, it was amazing. Oh, it was terrifying. I think my, I've got this recollection that we we couldn't be bothered taking all the cymbals and the drums off the stands, off the drum stand. So we just threw them straight in the van. <laughs> it was just cymbals and drums crashing about when, everywhere. When bands go to big festivals for the first time, I've seen it happen so many times, and I've done it myself. Um, you don't know the etiquette of what it's like to be backstage. That's right. Um, number one, if, you, if you're listening to this and you've never been backstage at a, a music festival and you've thought, wow, that must be amazing, it's normally pretty shit. Like, apart pretty from boring. if you're in Europe, it's it, it, it's it's pretty nice. It but, can be nice. But here, it's 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 never as much as like you think it is in, no, in no. your head. It's not everyone pushing the sky going, yeah, way! No. But 
young bands <laughs> tend to like get up in the grill of like the famous bands. <laughs> We've all done it. We've all done it. Yeah. <laughs> so like when you've been backstage at those early early sort of festivals, like who were you pestering and who, whose security removed you from whose tent? Snoop, Snoop? D-O-double-G. Yeah. <laughs> Snoop was on <laughs> Teen the Park. We were, we're I don't know if we were in the main stage. We were trying to play basketball with him or oh, something like that. I think. Yeah, I know. I mean, us, was, uh, us playing well, basketball. Let's play with basketball Snoop. with Snoop Dogg and his entourage. <laughs> what a great idea. But it was, he was protected. Right. And that was one of those. I remember Frankie, so I keep talking about my missus. Hi, baby. Um, and she, she was, I was trying to get a picture of her taking with it, and it was literally like, Right, there's a young woman coming right. in. Quick picture, and like, if you're a man asking for it, it was like, no, okay, not no today, chance. boys, not today. But uh, it was but great. You, but you see about the backstage etiquette, we were more likely to be the ones sitting going, oh, shit, are we, are, we, are we okay to be here? Are we in the right place? <laughs> and being a bit nervous. And and then I remember one time sitting, sitting in, in catering, thinking, this is great, we're getting food. It took us about 40 minutes to realise that we were in like the crew catering. There's just all these guys with the high-vis jackets on, and us sitting panicking that... Yeah. We shouldn't be there. It turns out we shouldn't have been there. You know, <laughs> a bit of a funny experience. But what bands are the ones that come up to you and like fry your life? I remember one of the ones that meant a lot to me was Architects back in the day when we played Download. And I, I was, I'd heard of Architects, but I remember Sam, the singer, uh, just coming over saying they dug the band. And obviously, since I'm a massive Architects fan, I know James is as well. And just uh, I think they're a stunning band. I think what they do with for British metal and everything all around the world is incredible but that was when I realised that's maybe not just you know at a certain point you think you maybe know everyone that likes your band and that's when you mm -hmm. kind of realise we, we, we're kind of making an effect out with what we would term our kind of circle of of people that came to the shows and things and and for it to for us to perhaps I don't know if we inspire them anymore unlikely but <laughs> you know for, for Sam to even acknowledge that just a band that's so heavy and so extreme comparatively to mm -hmm. you know to what we do um, meant a lot to me so that's that's always stuck with me there's definitely a, a moment when you're a little bit younger and you're kind of trying to make your way with us without even realizing there's a little bit of competition there between you and other bands just just in your own mind that's uh, that's fairly normal that's fairly normal and I, I think as we've gone over um occasionally you still get a wee bit of the green-eyed monster from, from other bands do certain things but now when we're on the road and we see other bands at festivals it's like we're all doing it sort of together we all know what it's like to live that life and we know how what a struggle it can be to be away from home and that sort of thing so it, you're not like looking over your shoulder like what are they doing it's more like kind of putting an arm around each other and seeing how you're getting on that sort of thing when, when's when's your tour over yeah <laughs> when do you get to go home if i remember meeting the two door boys just to oh, yeah. hear your accent there again yeah um the two door boys have we met them at a festival and that yeah, was yeah. a nice little friendship just for a little while you know people you don't know that you just kind of slowly kind of acknowledge each other and then you, you start see them all like, oh, the time you guys are great oh you guys are great <laughs> yeah exactly and it's just you well, know because your band was quite big in northern ireland before and, and scotland before it was really big anywhere else yeah the, the you, boys had, you actually had a following in in um Nor yeah. northern ireland well, that was probably the first place that kind of blew us away where we really felt that we were making friends in a in a serious way you know people yeah. understood what we were trying to do and and I think the energy levels, as you well know, of a Northern Irish show are just is absolute second to none. You, you don't know? get too many good touring bands coming through Northern Ireland, so when it does happen, people so go special. Nuts. They go yeah. crazy, they go mm. crazy. And, and, and it's a similar thing in Scotland. That's why, we, you know, in a lot of bands, these, even these days, people come and play three shows in the UK and they wouldn't mm. even go in further north than Manchester or further west than Manchester. And you're like, come on to fuck. I know. 
<laughs> summon, summon it up for all the and, 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 and I'm talking about stone, but Pearl Jam. Yeah. Oh I like you. I love I you, Pearl Jam, but you fucking last played a show in Scotland in 99 or something. I was at it, and then you did one before that in 91 at the Cat House. Yeah. Does do Scotland not deserve more than I know. two shows in a 35 year career? Done? What have we done wrong? What have we done wrong? I know. <laughs> maybe he's like, maybe he just genuinely hates Scotland. Maybe. It could be actually. It could be. I've heard that I am we'll fat, fat Mike from NoFX. Oh, yeah. They will never play Scotland anymore for, a, for some different reasons. Yeah. Why? I, I'm sure they got into a scrap. With like the Glasgow crew, yeah, like there's the local crew in Glasgow are legends. They're all dynamite, but they're all hard as. What do you fuck. mean crew? Like as in like backstage yeah, like, crew? Yeah, backstage people that work at the Barlands or the right. work at the SEC. They're called, they're called yeah. the Mad Crew. The Mad, yeah, <laughs> the mad Crew, and they are, and, but they're dynamite, total golden boys, and uh, but yeah, I think I think Fat Mike and No Effects mm. maybe maybe made a comment from stage or something. Something like that, like that was really really disrespectful, and that is one thing you do not do in Scotland. You don't disrespect the fucking boys, right. and uh, so I don't think he's ever been back. So, <laughs> and and actually, Fat Mike's a great guy, he's, he's and he's been nothing but a sweetheart to us, that's Mike. It. But that's maybe, on, man. that's maybe why. Maybe he's like trying to atone for his. Yeah, sin. he's like he maybe. knows that we know. Can you spread, he's wanting us to go back and spread the word. <laughs> <laughs> you know who's really sound? <laughs> no, brother. No. <laughs> the wait is finally over, and sport is back on Now TV. It's lights out, and away we go. Where you can watch Sky Sports, Premier Sports, and BT Sport together, and all without a contract. What a fantastic part! So whether there's a day week or whole month of action you just can't miss you can now stream the lot oh it's a fabulous goal this is your sport on your terms search now tv sports to find out more 18 plus content streamed via internet full terms apply so like the the, the debut album came out in 2002 it came out mm-hmm. in beggar's banquet well looking back on it now was it everything that you'd hoped for it then if that makes sense the album being in a band yeah. at that point, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We still feel really proud of the album. You know, I think a lot of bands kind of disown some of their early work, but we still feel really great about it. We kind of wish more people had heard it, to be I honest. Know. You know? If you were to play a gig tomorrow, how many of the songs could you play without having to rehearse them? I think we could play 10. Mm-hmm. 10 wow, I'd right. probably only be to do nine. <laughs> <laughs> That's, again, one thing... I'm always really keen for us to keep playing the old songs. I think I think the only way you can evolve with a band is to kind of to kind of keep everything you've made constantly in the pot, you know, and yeah. and, and know so because it reminds you what you've done and what you shouldn't repeat. Mm-hmm. It also may perhaps remind you what you're good at and what you're not. So we always make an effort of playing. Mm-hmm. You know, every time we practice, we still practice quite a lot and we That's play right. as much because you can have your sort of fall into the, the the fall back on the tricks that you can do as a band that work well, but. Sometimes you don't want to do that. You don't want to just go for the low-hanging fruit. You want to maybe try something a little bit different. Try something a little bit different. The, I think the big what? surprise in Black and Sky, it was, it was, we felt like a real band. I think for us at that point, putting out a, an album, you know, on CD and vinyl, it was like we felt that we were a proper band at that mm-hmm. point. What, what took us by surprise was the fact that everyone wasn't waiting for us to, to release this album. You know, I think we had the naivety that, mm-hmm. oh, well done. Oh, well done. Uh-huh. They've made an album. You know, yeah. and, and you suddenly realise you're just one of a million people doing this thing uh-huh. and you know and if you don't believe in yourself or enjoy what you do then no one else is going to so for us i always remember getting a couple of bad reviews and like really you know being like seriously hurt you know like because at that point it hadn't even dawned on me mm-hmm. that that what we were doing might not appeal to folk you know and and that's that kind of sh- highlights did, how did naive we actually were with you yeah it did and, yeah. and 
in a way, it stuck with me in a good way because at that point, I think this is a very important year. I think because I, I think that the, the hip hop and grime music and urban music in general has been so good mm-hmm. for the last four or five years mm-hmm. really like really like really mainstream for yeah, the last but four yeah, or five years artistically high achievement yeah, as well, not uh-huh. just but I feel like it's it's hit the glass ceiling uh-huh. I, I don't think that they can do there's there's nothing that will come along now that hasn't been done I think I think it's time for you know what like, like the hair metal bands got wiped out by grunge yeah mm-hmm. some grunge, gonna come grunge got wiped just, out by Britpop Britpop yeah. got wiped out by the, like the strokes and uh, you know and so on and yeah, so forth show. I feel like I feel like there's something. Yeah, coming. Some, well, actually, I've just been watching the hip hop evolution thing on Netflix, which is fantastic. I can't watch that before bed because I get like two up. Like, yeah, going, two up it. Oh yeah, <laughs> shit! I'm gonna like I just feel like a mogul and then I can't go to sleep. Yeah, me too. I know. I was making plans and beats in my mind last night. Going, this is gonna happen, Sai. This is it. It's finally gonna happen. But just you, you know, and I, I've been kind of ignorant about the the birth of hip hop and the story of hip hop. But just last night's episode was about New Orleans and. the bounce music you know and how bounce was a certain type of party music and then someone put a rap over it about their real struggles and it became something else and then and it all evolved and changed and and just how each form of music informs the next genre without even realizing you know mm. when we started people would be like oh you must love the pixies and we were like no uh, we love nirvana uh-huh. you know not completely <laughs> not not realizing you know and, and, and it's yeah. only as you grow older you're like all oh, right everything infiltrates everything else and, and you've got you don't have to know how these things work but you've got to at least acknowledge it and have respect for what came before because we wouldn't be where we are mm-hmm. but i totally agree i think something needs to kind of ex- explode or implode in music right now with you know there's the sound the overriding sound of mainstream hip-hop is almost the same and most of the most of the songs are kind of breaking through at the moment, certainly. But all the but everything just under low this beneath the surface, like rock music and everything else. That's where all the really exciting stuff's happening. Mm. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm a big fan of JPEG Mafia. He's he's fantastic. He's mm. obviously kind of breaking through now. But mm. but just people taking chances. I just want things don't need to be sweet and pretty. I think you know in this era that we live in, we need we should be angry. We should be craving something new, and. But we can do it in a positive way, you know. I mean, I don't think it's just destroy everything that's. It has mm-hmm. to come. It ha- like whatever happens has to come from the underground because every every label under the sun, um, like all the major labels, are expecting people that they sign now to have X amount of Instagram followers, X mm-hmm. amount of Twitter followers, and to be completely ready from the yeah. very start. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you're gonna. I, I, they're not. They're not going to invest in something they don't think is going to make any no. mo- any money. So, like, I mean, the, the real chances and the real movement is will it comes underneath. Will, yeah. will come underneath that. The, the problem is as well if someone when labels or something invest in something that's got like a great feed and a great music and it looks the part and it sounds the part. There's nowhere f- for something like that to go as well. Most things that are so perfectly formed from the start actually don't evolve because because they need to just die because they're so they've kind of reached their maximum potential. Mm. You know, and I, I, I much prefer when I hear artists and things who have made a couple of records or something. It's easy for me to say, for because that's what we did. But, you know, find their feet themselves before coming out as this perfectly formed, hey, I've got uh-huh. it all figured out. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. so <coughs> suspicious of that. You know, there's, and, there's not a lot of acts that would get that time now but like because no, but, well but, as you said you, you were like well, at some point we could have done a metal record we could have done a, I thought of Roger Trusty or Ian Arman at Beggar's Banquet who 
remember we had a meeting for the second album and you said if you've got a single we'll release a single if you don't you know there was a real freedom not just from us as young men to what we could do but there was nobody telling us you have to do this or you have to do that maybe because they saw with the band name and certain things that we weren't an obvious commercial band at that time, mm. perhaps, but wow, the actual old school belief. Who, who knew? I like, know. Oh where, my god, where has and, it been? Um, is it true that, like, when you got bad reviews for the first album, that your fans like rang up Enemy and threatened the journalist? There was, poor, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, we actually just <laughs> talked to the journalist the other week there, so we've kind of finally talked it out 20 odd years later. Really? But yeah, uh-huh. it was, I mean, people, it was, it was also that it, it really gave us a real, uh, belief i mean i keep using these words in kind of different ways and almost contradict myself probably but the fact that someone in our behalf was raging we were like that's amazing you know and it kind of gave us it kind of gave us the allowance to kind of then move forward and actually yeah go fuck it we'll do whatever the fuck we want so you know it's like fandom before fandom if you know what i mean Uh well actually like the online fandom you know like if somebody if like somebody comes at like harry styles or somebody comes at halsey or somebody like that Mm. Their, their fans will just smash straight no. out like the piranhas will be in they will and they will devour whoever it is came at them. Yeah, yeah. that's like a, sort of a very kind of like primitive version of that. It was. Really. It, was, it, a was. Bit, it just took a bit longer to actually dial the number. <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> get the carrier pigeon trained. You know, <laughs> I'm sorry, you're so angry. You're mashing the wrong keys. <laughs> Please calm down and dial again. <laughs> but we only we only we only need one person on our side out, out with us. We only needed sort of one fan in the room because you know we were playing to 10 people we always thought we just need one we just need one of them to like it yeah and that was all we were going for it was never like we need to get straight to a million people or mm. you know this sort of thing it was we just as soon as we had one person understanding what we were doing that that just meant so much to us you know when you moved to the the major after a couple of records why did a major take a chance on you at that stage like wh- like why do you think that they they signed you I think there's a couple of key people there that really believed in the in the music, mm. um, but I think also we we built up a good following, a good fan base. You know, I, I think it was, in an, uh, he's, um, I'm forever grateful to Alex Gilbert. He was our A&R man at Warner's, and and he was to be honest, he was probably the only person in the industry that saw something in us that that could potentially have a wider appeal. You know, because we had a weird name, we were making really es- you know odd esoteric music at that point, deliberately kind of oblique. Mm-hmm. And uh, obtuse, oblong, <laughs> obese, octopus, <laughs> um, and uh, and and he 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 would always say to me after shows, he would always say, "Why why do you hide your choruses at three minutes?" Uh, you know, now I was like, you know, well, because fucking some if it's that easy, I don't want anyone listening. And yeah, I remember him sitting me down going. But you know that that's the good, you know, I'd be like, you know that that's the good bit or the best bit that that people are waiting for. You're waiting for it, so why don't you? just try and shuffle things about. And I just remember at that point going, like oh, on a basic, basic level, a light bulb going off in my head and going, oh, you're right, actually, if that is the best, that is my favourite bit, so maybe I should make more of the favourite so, bit. And and it was Alex's kind of vision that kind of saw our band, because we weren't even interested. You know, I mean, we never even talked about a major label no. until we got the offer. Mm-hmm. And then we were like, oh, right, eh. <laughs> Well, uh, <laughs> this, could, this could become our lives. You know, there was, a, yeah. there was an element of it was going to be turning from a hobby into like our. Were you our still club. like? Were you still like struggling financially? Like at that stage with like records and stuff. Like, oh, yeah. like yeah. did you have yeah. jobs and stuff on the side yeah, before yeah, the? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What was yeah. what was, like? Were you working just up until the main 
sorry, it was a major record label. I think it was working McDonald's. I mean, it, and it's not as though when we got the major record label, suddenly there was lots of money. I mean, yeah. that, that never changed, but it was just the support, really, that, that made the difference. We were yeah. like, right, we, we definitely can keep going with this, you know. And Yeah, and the first first two, I think when Black and Sky and Vertical, we were all still working. Mm-hmm. I was working at a bar. James was at a race, Italian restaurant. Yep. James and Ben were both at a restaurant. And then the third album, we finally got a publishing deal, which which meant that we were able to actually devote a bit more time to the band. But mm-hmm. to be honest, that money, any money we made, we just put straight back into the band to go on the road again. That's what you, yeah. ha- that's what you have to do. Absolutely. You have to. And, and in, that, in those days, that was the way to get in front of people. You know, it was like you had to go to their town. And so some years we played like Manchester four or five times. You know, mm-hmm. there's some mm-hmm. posters still. Co- yeah, it costs a lot of money like, absolutely. Does to get so. everything up and down. Like if you come home from like a... a, a a first or second headline tour with a couple of grand debt you've done quite well exactly well absolutely i mean that'd be the, the dream if you could break even that was just like oh my god you know let's do this forever <laughs> must be yeah. really difficult though if you if you're like going between i don't know like countries in europe and you're just sitting there do you never have that thought going why are we doing all of this to lose money has that ever gone through your head surely like as a passing thought I, people have s- it does cross our mind now, you know, because like, we're we're grown ups now, and we do we do have to think in certain moments. We have to yeah. think in that element, but it's only really been the last few years because for us, the whole point of doing any of this was to play music. You know, it's not not to play the show so that you're playing a bigger show next time. It's to take our music to these places. So for us, it was never even if it cost us, we would make it happen. You know, that mm. was that was the belief was spreading the word, the gospel of the Biff. You uh-huh. know, that was kind of what we were all about. Maybe the last couple of years, because we have a much bigger touring unit now, we're like, well, we can't do that show because that because it's going to cost us an arm and a leg, and it'll affect something that we would do ongoing. So we would rather choose other shows to go and do. But, mm-hmm. um, but no, it's. It, I think if if you ever think about the bottom line, don't get into music if you're worried about the bottom line. There is much easier ways to make money. There is way too much <laughs> up in the air Absolutely. and unlikely, and 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 you know so much kind of fortune involved that. What, you know, like we, we, the fact that we are still doing this blows my tiny little mind all mm. the time. Like I swear to God, to to make a living, and especially even how hard it is for young bands now. I don't know how a young band makes that transition from being really good and becoming popular, and then becoming like a full time artist. Like that's you, you so came hard. up in a very good time. You came up in a time where you. Like records were still being sold, and yeah, and, mm-hmm. and there was a little bit more money in it. Although, at the, the, in saying that, uh, it feels like that sort of money is back in the record industry again. Yep. What they're those, getting it from because stream. they've mm-hmm. finally figured out streaming. But just wait until I mean, some I was, at, I was at university a couple of weeks, a couple of months ago, and this like little sort of like nerdy kid at the start put up his hand and asked a question, and he was like, going, if um. Amazon are, are paying all of their, the money that the artists get from, like, you know, what what they earn, and they sell lots of stuff, and Apple sell phones, then where do Spotify get the money to pay all the artists from? And I just sat there going, oh, oh I don't have an answer. Do We're through the looking glass here, yeah, people. Oh, my God. Well, that's a very sharp do, question. Do you know what? Yeah. I, it's it, it's in, from investors and stuff. Yeah, of course. But, but like, it did get me thinking about the bubble, and, like, uh-huh. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, where's it going to go? Is this going to pop? pop? But, like, you know, you, you, you're you an incredibly successful band, and for the for somebody who, who maybe doesn't know the sort of finer points of financialities in, in bands, like, you've headlined the biggest festivals in, in the UK. You've sold well over a million records. 
um, platinum records, all the rest of it. Surely together or even individually, you've enough money to buy an island in Scotland somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Probably in Scotland, yeah, maybe. maybe. Scotland. I mean, we, you know, we're in a luxurious position that, like, when we, like, for example, last year, we could potentially have made this record earlier if, but we've got the kind of luxury of time because we because we are lucky to play these big shows and it kind of buys us it affords us the time to work in the music that's where i see the value in 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 doing these big shows and things is it really allows the art to grow and evolve properly because i do know musicians and and that actually they need to keep releasing music to justify keep going and and that's absolutely you know do whatever you have to do Uh, you know if we had to do that we would have an album out every six months if that's what it took but we just have that space and that's what i really embrace the scale of our band that's what i love so much is that it gives us that freedom you know like last year we made a soundtrack album because because we wanted to because it just felt like artistically it was the right thing to do we didn't do any shows around it or anything it cost us money but that was like this is artistically important for us to do and um so you know some things if you're lucky enough to make money in some areas you've got to also reinvest in what you do you know don't if you're a musician or anything don't expect to be making money f- for a while any money you make put back into equipment gear you know ways to get your music heard by people and but but that's where it belongs you know as, as i say it's not don't make music with a view to a bottom line we're, we're really lucky and you know and i hope it don't sound like an arsehole or, or disingenuous by saying that but we are lucky that we we have reached this point where we make a living a good living off music but but again, that I feel that weight on my shoulders that the music needs to be even better each time we do it. Like I feel like people have put us in this position, therefore I ain't gonna let them down. Is that where the hunger comes from? Uh, for for like new records because you've achieved like mo- like way more than I mean ninety nine point nine 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 percent of uh, of bands ever will. Like, what like where does the hunger come from, and what is there still to achieve? Well, I think as Simon says, to pay respect to where we've been able to get to, you know, through our hard work, but through a lot of support from the fans, the people who support our band. And I think now just to phone it in or to give up would be a bit of taking the piss to those people. Never mind the fact that we still want to do this, which is obviously a given. Yeah, There's a lot more to it than that. You know, I feel like um, we've been so fortunate. We could never have dreamed to get to this position, to be here now and to not give everything we've got. We'd, we'd just be taking the piss, I think. I think it, the toughness comes from making the music and trying to trying to make something new that's worthwhile that that you feel as strongly as you did about your previous records and things mm-hmm. that's that's where I, I i find tougher the longer we go which is why there is slightly more gaps between the records because it needs to be some it needs to be feel like a new part of your life or a new version of yourself each album and and i think that's that's what most bands maybe lose i i, I, I can't really explain why but a lot of bands just think oh, we're good at this let's go and we'll make another 12 songs brilliant mm-hmm. you know because when you've been doing it as long as we have you should be a good band mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. I, I, hopefully no one's been doing it for 20 odd years and it's still a bad band you know of a couple well yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's certain things you have to take for granted but it's when you're making actually creating the music that needs to be you need to have everything into that. No, you know, you can't, you can't fake that aspect of it. Or certainly, I, I can't. Whenever I've like tried to just write a song because it was time to write a song, it ends up sounding, you know, like like biblical to me. Yeah, yeah. That demo is like just a series of ideas. There's no real proper emotional commitment yet to the song, and that comes at a later point. But 
you know, oh, I don't know. I'm, well, I've, I've, I've heard the I've heard the, the opening track of the the album. Oh, have you? Um, yeah, like uh, um, the Tom uh, play, played me the the first. He's meant to play me the first four songs, but you guys arrived early. Oh, oh. Um, so you, thanks very much, guys. <laughs> thanks for turning up like early. Um, <laughs> but I, I heard the first track, and I was like, "Wow, this is this is this is pretty good. I can't wait to hear the record." But like over the course of like you know starting in 1995, has there ever come a point where you thought? But Biffy might not be a thing anymore. Like, have you have you ever had this like a a, a point where you're on on the road or between records where you've lost the faith? We've we've talked about it. We have talked about it sadly a couple of times over the years. Um, just whether we can Thank sustain God you didn't this. Do it. Oh and my God! Well, we've talked about it. It's been a discussion, but I think we all, you know, deep down in our hearts, it's, you know, it's like this isn't, it. this isn't happening. It's not. Yeah. We're not. We're not not doing this. <laughs> But I think you you have to acknowledge the strain it takes. I think if you don't acknowledge it, the band just implodes. You know, um, we've figured out different ways, different dynamics to make things work over the years, and that's through the conversations of of like, you know, I can't keep doing this if 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 this keeps happening. You know, the, 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 you know. But if you're not if you're not actually having the conversation, then that's when you you do hit a wall and you just go actually fuck this I'm out of here. Mm -hmm. For us, Ben and James being twins helps a massive extent because <laughs> you can't break up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but even you know three pieces are easier than five pieces. But yeah, you know, almost being a I don't mean this to sound, but it's almost like a, a two piece to a certain extent because mm -hmm. you get Ben and mm -hmm. James are always going to be rough in their one. same same headspace. You mm -hmm. know, so it does make things a lot simpler, and I think. Just a combination of things have made us be able to at those key moments go. Actually, you know what? We love what we do. Yeah, I might, I maybe can't stand you at the moment, but actually, you're one of my best friends. You know, and, and it's yeah, recognizing that it's a bit of the it's a bit of a cliche to see rough with the smooth. But when you like, we had a difficult time this week, but that's because we're brothers. I think had we just just been bandmates, there wouldn't even have been a discussion of perhaps no way you'd be like Ben would have been fired. <laughs> yeah, would <laughs> be like, I'll see you next week. Fucking you yeah. do whatever. And so, so sometimes the like we we spent six months together living in the house, and yeah, really making the wreck. A lot of bands wouldn't do that and and have that sort of closeness. And sometimes there's there's the rough that comes. Oh, cool. Well, I mean, like you guys. <laughs> the, the good thing, though, and it always surprised me. See, when it's just the three of us anywhere in the world doing right. something, but it's it's fab. I mean, it is like we're fifteen again. It's a, it's a bit grim, actually. How, <laughs> how you know juvenile it becomes. Know. But oh, but there's absolutely. that's the liber that's the liberation. And even now, you yeah. know, in the summer, uh -huh. as James said, we were in a house in Venice in California for six months. And we just had such a laugh, so you know, it's fun. really fun. You know, some, there's obviously working at points, you know, you, you're not always getting on, but anyone out there that says they've got a close friend or family member that they don't sometimes roll their eyes about is uh, lying. Yeah. And, and I think that's what makes a relationship true, you know. I've got one last question before before we finish up. And it's, I think it's probably like one of the more sort of gossipy sort of questions I've got, but I could, I, I want to know. You've supported a lot of big, big acts. Obviously, like you've been very great with... Uh, the bands that have supported you and you've like helped them out no end um but you've supported chili peppers the who muse bon jovi queens of the stone age mm -hmm. tell tell weezer yeah tell tell me something about any of those support slots that will absolutely blow my mind because like all of those bands i'm like god i would love to like know what it's like to be back uh, there something that the one thing that might blow your mind is when we played with the who mm -hmm. um and of every right, but Roger Daltrey and Pete Townsend took real exception to the volume of my guitars. 
Because I, I used to. This is the loudest band yeah, in the world. Yeah, exactly. But they, to be fair, they found out the hard way. They found out the hard way why you, you shouldn't be that loud. I'm but. surprised that they could hear it. Like they've got a lot of hearing damage. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they really do. I mean, everyone could hear this. Honestly, my, everyone I, could hear I officially it. got my. There was a, a period of time, and I can't believe I'm not deaf. I'm sure I'm gonna. It's gonna fake me when I'm older. But there was a period of time where at my microphone stand, the volume was the same volume as a jumbo jet coming off. It was 118 decibels, and I used to have amplifiers just to the right of me firing my head. Did you have hearing protection then? No, no, no. It, it's honestly, I, I don't know. That's why he's got such a loud voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I sing loud, actually. <laughs> but um, I think, I, I mean, I have problems with my ears now, which is, mm. but, but I used to I used to think, unless I'm like feeling, like I needed to physically feel the music, I couldn't just hear it. I yeah. needed to like feel that my, my bones were shaking and, and it was in that era that, and it was after they'd said that the who I remember thinking, yeah. I should probably turn down. And like everyone was saying, look, that, that you're going to be deaf within like a year if you tour like this for lo- any longer. You're going to be deaf, and so that's probably the best one. Was I think was that's Pete, a, that's a, Pete Townshend has tinnitus, like he and, does, and like I, I, I can't imagine his his. Uh, High range is is, is no. too good. No, there was actually because it happened. Tw- it happened twice with him. So at the Hugh gig, I, I kind of, I kind of, I'm going to unconcert concertina of the story because it was at the Hugh gig. It was Roger and the crew that said, and then we played tea in the park with, and the woman on before us was Pete Townsend's girlfriend, and he was playing, and he was backstage, and he heard my amp. So on two separate occasions in the same summer, we got told that the who thought it was totally, totally <laughs> out, outrageous <laughs> that's quite an accurate and for, for a few months i was like ah yeah we're too late for the who you know and i'm like <laughs> you know, i'm like no it's per- perfect pitch there i mean it's better being told that you're too loud for the who than you've done more drugs than axel rose do you know yeah, what I mean? yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I tell you, axel actually as well there's some good Axel's still at it. He's brilliant. Look at the, each show. We we supported Guns N' Roses in a few of their reunion shows. And uh, the side of stage, you've got like Duff's wife, you know, Slash's wife. I think he was maybe getting divorced. And then the other side, you've just got four cheers for four blonde-haired, <laughs> like straight out of the Sunset Strip, 1988, <laughs> these girls. And they probably actually were from the Sunset Strip from 1988. Yeah. And like Axel's just got these women inside, you know, you've been there. <laughs> and so it was it was just a wonderful like uh it, it still living the living never, his dream i know living never his change dream. axel never, never change access to the access right <laughs> um guys thank you so much for sharing um about that the demo of biblical and and, sh- and sharing your time with me as well and um i'd say by the stage that this goes out you will have heard new music from uh biffy claro so good luck with the new album thanks, thanks man. so it's much been fun. it's been a pleasure brother yeah There you have it. That is the first episode done. We are in. I've been dying to release this for ages, but I needed to catch up and get all these podcasts done. Um, episode two is back next Tuesday. If you haven't, um, subscribe to the Slacker podcast and these podcasts will land um, on your phone, uh, on your desktop, wherever it, it may land. It may land in your mum's handbag uh, for all I care. <laughs> Uh, but honestly, if you want to subscribe, just uh, go type in Slacker Podcast anywhere uh, that you get your podcasts. If you want to become a Patreon, it is Slacker Podcast on Patreon. And yes, you just stay sexy and stay being yourself. Next week on the podcast, we will have Young Blood. Till then, goodbye.
The wait is finally over and sport is back on Now TV. It's lights out and away we go! Where you can watch Sky Sports, Premier Sports and BT Sport together and all without a contract. What a fantastic part. So whether there's a day, week or whole month of action you just can't miss, you can now stream the lot. Oh, it's a fabulous goal! This is your sport on your terms. Search Now TV Sports to find out more. 18 plus content streamed via internet. Full terms apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.